Well, Pastor Jeff this morning is actually in Idaho preaching at a church up there. The pastor's name is Mike Kessler, who is the owner and founder of CSN Radio Network, which is the radio network the pastor is on. He's also the, the host of To Every Man and Answer, which Pastor Jeff also co-hosts with him. So he's up there this weekend preaching. He'll be back next weekend. But we are so blessed to have one of our family members back with us to bring us part two of his message. So would you help me welcome back Pastor Sonny Kanatsu. Ah. Oh, it's good to be in the house of God. Let me just say, when COVID first started, I had a Sunday that I was preaching at a church, and when I got there at the church, no one was there. It was an empty auditorium, but I had to preach anyway to a camera, and uh, it was the strangest thing I'd ever done. Uh, we got through that, but I'm just to tell you one thing. I like it when you're here. It's a lot better. It's real lonely when you're in the room by yourself <laughs> preaching. I'm excited about being here. You that are watching online, oh, we're so glad you're watching online. We can't wait till the day you come back here and join us one day soon. I was in the back room, Pastor Jeff and Cindy's office, and I looked over the counter. They had some kind of smell good stuff. I said, I need to smell better. So I took it and I squirted myself. So I do not know whether I smell like Cindy or Pastor Jeff. Could have been perfume. Or could be cologne. So if you get close to them and close your eyes, you'll think they're here, okay? One or the other. I don't know. It seems like every Sunday or the past two Sundays that I've been here, I've brought miracles with me. I looked over here and I see some folks that were members of my church for many years. And they walked in and all three of them, all three of them, they're a miracle right here. John, Janelle, and Rachel. They're miracles. Now listen. John just, he just got out of the hospital. He's had all kinds of issues over the years, kidney failure and all kinds of things. He's been battling. He's a miracle sitting in here. Janelle right now is in the midst of chemo treatment and all kinds of things, but she's walked in church today, worshiping God today. Rachel, right there, let me just tell you, this girl has been on a journey in her life. She's had some, I mean, she's taken some paths you didn't want to go. She took those paths and she was a member of our church. And uh, one day her path, that she, that her little journey caught up with her. And the state of Texas said, we got a special place for you in the Texas State Hotel. And I went to see her in her stay there. But she was still in love with Jesus and doing well even inside those walls. She got out, and she's been on a journey. I'm telling you, Rachel, God's not through with you yet, and your two boys. Uh, God's got a plan for you, and everything that you've gone through, uh, God's going to use. Same thing with Janelle and John. God's going to use it, and your testimony is going to encourage everybody. Well, I love miracles, don't you? Uh, we talk about the things that God is doing, and last week we got into this message on ingredients for revival. I'm excited about being here. I've been preaching to myself all week long. 
I mean, I've been driving and praying and preaching and just getting myself ready because I heard one day that you're supposed to, as a preacher, you're supposed to study yourself up. I mean, study as much as you can. Then you're to pray yourself hot. Then you're to think yourself through, think it all through. Then you're just to let yourself go. So I've done all of those things, and I'm here today just to let myself go, all right? And we'll trust the Holy Spirit will do only what He can do in this place. I pray what's in me will get in you. What's on me will get on you. The fire that's burning in me about revival will begin to burn in you. This week, Pastor Jeff's not here, but I've got a statement from him because I read his post this week. Some of you may have read his post this week, one of them. And when I read it, I said, ooh, I need to read that Sunday because it goes along with my message. So let me just read to you from Pastor Jeff's article this week, his post on Facebook. While America collapses, God is still moving. He says this, it doesn't take immense genius to recognize that America is in deep trouble. Our $30 trillion debt exceeding the combined debts of all other nations of the world is insurmountable. One day the note will be called. Adding insult to injury, the righteous are being persecuted while evil men are celebrated. Sexual perversion is increasingly normalized while biblical morality is mocked. We're now told that there are over 100 genders to choose from. Not just the two presented in Genesis as a man and a woman. This is madness. My father, he's talking about his father. He's now with the Lord for a number of years. Would not believe the America he grew up in that we're seeing today. Isaiah's chilling description of a nation gone bad fits us to a T. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Jeff says, I am convinced that unless America experiences a massive revival on the level of the great awakening that swept England and America in the 1700s, we are doomed to go the way of other nations, littering the trash bin of history. The level of sin, depravity, debt, godlessness are sinking America and cannot be sustained. Our one hope is Jesus Christ and the gospel. Paul wrote, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I believe that God's grace is greater than the darkness around us. This is my hope, prayer, and truth. I give my strength to. Let's believe God to move. Let's believe God for a revival. Oh, I like that, don't you? And his words are right on here this week as we think about what's going on in our nation and around the world. I shared with you last week, and I'll just briefly say this. I gave you some definitions of revival. Uh, my definition, or a couple of the definitions, one came from what is known as the KJV, or the King James Version Dictionary. And it says to recover from a state of neglect. I think that's where many Christians are right now. I mean, many believers have been neglecting their spiritual life. The enemy has come in like a flood. And over this past year, in the COVID year, in the pandemic, uh, he's trying to squash what was in us. And uh, the light that was in us, he's trying to uh, put a blanket over it. The fire that was in us, he's trying to put out it. 
and, and when revival comes, we're going to recover from a state of neglect. It's time to stir ourselves up. It's a time to recover new life and vigor. We sure need that. And then it also says, I always like this one, to be reanimated after depression. That is, your countenance changes. You get that look in your eye that you're alive again. You get that smile on your face that someone greater is living in you that's living in the world. Uh, I want you to put up that first photograph on the uh, big screen here. I want to tell you about what only Jesus can do. This is a group of prisoners in El Salvador. They are a part of a group you may have heard of, MS-13. You heard of that gang that came into the United States, and many are living here now and causing havoc. Some have called them uh, animals uh, because of their deep anger and resentment. Uh, they're causing all kinds of trouble uh, in, in the gang, usually in California and in other states in our nation. Something happened in El Salvador. Revival hit that prison. MS-13 gang members got born again. This is a group of them. Got their Bibles out. They're worshiping God together. One of these young men was released from prison. He said, I did not know what was going to happen when I got out of prison. I knew I'd met the Lord. But I didn't have anybody in my life. My family has rejected me or they're dead. But he said, when I looked out those doors, I saw a group of people waiting on me. He said, I never had anybody wait on me when I got out of prison. And they came up to me and said, we are from the church and we're here to help you. One of the gang members who was now a pastor of this church, all tattooed up. MS-13, tattoos all over his body, got born again. He got out, had a vision of starting a church and a rehab center, and he did. Now these men, young men getting out of jail, he goes and gets them, brings them to the rehab center, and they become a vital part of the church, vital part of their community. That is something only revival can do. That's the hand of God. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Put up that next photo. The next one is a before photo of a young lady named Jackie Denny. She ran into a group of people I know, Care Center Ministries over in Pleasant Grove. She was a meth addict, had been since she was a teenager. She was a mess. But guess what? She had a personal revival. Jesus came in and changed her life. Go to the after photo. That is a life that's been... Changed by Jesus, reanimated after a life of depression and drugs. Only Jesus can do that. Psychologists can't do that. The best acts of humanity can't do that. Only Jesus can change a life from the inside out. Isn't that good to know? That's what I'm talking about right there. When I talk about revival, and I sense... We're seeing pockets of revival going on. I was uh, watching Mario Morella. Anybody know Mario? Mario Morella is a great evangelist. And he said God instructed him to stay in California where he was living and conduct tent revivals all up and down the street. I wish I'd have brought a photo of that. 
And he began, even in the pandemic, they were shutting down. He said, no, God told me to put up the tent. And he put up his tent and he began to preach. And he soon, the tent was overflowing. He had a 750 seat tent and it overflowed. He needed a bigger tent. So he got a 1500 seat tent. My latest photograph that I just looked online and I saw this tent of 1500. Now it was overflowing with people sitting outside the tent. He showed an altar call where he gave an altar call and the altar was full of gang members and others who'd given their heart to Jesus. He said, God said, revival is coming to California of all places. You know, it's the darkest places where the light shows up the greatest. And though we read on the news and we hear things coming out of California, we just shake our head and go, I can't believe it. That's where God wants to show up. And he is showing up. And pastors are so hungry. Mario had a luncheon for pastors. And pastors started showing up for that luncheon at 8 o'clock in the morning. And soon, what he was expecting, 300, there were over a 1,000 pastors. He said, we're hungry for revival. We want to see our churches open again. Now God is moving in California. Let's keep praying for that kind of revival. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Well, in the early service, you know, last week I had this out here. I was putting ingredients in this little pie plate here. Somebody in the first service said, Pastor, that's not big enough. You need something bigger to cook up this revival in. Because what God's going to send us is going to be bigger than that little plate right there. So he said, I went and got you a big pot. You can put these ingredients in a big pot and just see what God will do with that. So here I got a handful of ingredients. What Last week I said, what was the first thing that went into the message on revival? What is the first thing? It's grace and mercy. It only happens because of grace and mercy. God does it because of his grace, not because we deserve it. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. We don't get what we do deserve, and that's mercy. We deserve judgment. And our nation deserves judgment right now. But I really believe that God in heaven says that you deserve judgment, but if you'll ask me, I'll give you some grace. I'll give you some mercy. That's the first ingredient in this thing we call revival. Today, I want to go from where we are because I, I really believe the message I preached last week out of Ezra chapter 9, that there is a remnant God wants to reach. A remnant. They don't know him yet, but before he comes back, he's got to reach this remnant. And that's up to us to help him do what only he can do in the lives of individuals. But we move from what I shared last week to the book of Acts and I won't take time to read a lot of the scriptures, but I'll share with you. And we could, we could spend probably many hours talking about all. I don't have enough of the ingredients with me. But I'll talk about a few of the ingredients that I found in the book of Acts that deals with revival. Uh, one of the first ingredients, and some of you could uh, say amen to this. Pastor Brendan talked about it today. It is the ingredient of prayer. We will not have revival unless we pray. So we pray as individuals, as we pray as the church. Tonight, you're going to have a prayer meeting. Boy, it's much needed. I don't know why God invented this thing called prayer, but I'm glad he did. 
Prayer is how we communicate with heaven. It's how we call heaven down to earth. And God has put himself. Now, this I really don't get. You know, God can do anything he wants to, any way he wants to, any time he wants to. Because he's God. But he has created on earth what I call the law of prayer. And you read about it in the book of Ezekiel. I'll just read to you just from this particular chapter in the book of Ezekiel. God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel and said, There's going to come a restoration to my people and to all of Israel and to Jerusalem. There's coming a restoration. And God tells him what he's going to do. And he says this, Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Well, that pretty well settles it for me, doesn't it, you? But then look at the next verse, verse 37 of this chapter. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me or ask me to do this for them. I then will increase your men like a flock. What was he saying here? He said, I look down from heaven upon earth and there's some things I want to do. And if God wanted to do it, he could just do it. But he says, I want you involved with me. Speaking to us, the church. He said, I want you involved. I want you to ask me to do this for you. I don't know why God set this law of prayer up, but he did. And he needs us to pray. He needs us to come into agreement with him. That's why he said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe God looks down upon earth and it's a mess. I'm sure it grieves his heart what he sees happening on this earth right now. But I believe, he says, I'll pour out grace if you'll just ask me. That's why we must pray as individuals. We must pray together corporately. We see it all through the scriptures. And when you come to the book of Acts, you see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Just wait, wait, I'm going to do something. They didn't know what he was going to do. And they went to that upper room. These were fearful, frightened men. They got in that upper room and they locked the doors because they didn't know what was about to happen. Jesus, their leader, had just been crucified. And he said, go wait on me. And they went and they waited and they prayed. And then Acts chapter 2 came along. On that day of Pentecost. Pentecost is coming up here pretty soon. On the day of Pentecost, he said, They were in that upper room praying 120 of them. And suddenly, what happened? The wind began to blow. The fire of God fell. Revival hit those fearful, frightened men. And all of a sudden, they began to speak in languages they'd never learned. And all of a sudden, something in them rose up. It wasn't fear anymore. It was great boldness. They wanted to tell somebody what they were experiencing. They went outside and people around Jerusalem heard the sound of the wind. They saw the fire fall and it says they came running to them. I'll tell you something. 
when the fire of God hits us, you won't have to advertise it. You won't have to get out and say, would you please come to church? Man, people are going to run and see what's on fire. They're going to run toward us. They're going to run to the house of God. What is burning in the house? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what was happening in that day. The fire of God was burning. We see the disciples stand up and proclamation of the gospel. We're going to add that as an ingredient. They stood up in the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And they began to proclaim the gospel. That Jesus that had died, had been crucified, had risen from the dead. And he came to save anyone who would believe in him. And they preached it. And everybody they had run to him said, well, what do you want us to do? And what did Peter say? Man, we can add the ingredient of repentance. You need to repent. Be baptized. You'll be saved. And then you too will receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. That promises to you and to your children. Those that are far off, it's for us too. And so they repented. 3,000 were added to the church that day. And then the disciples, they'd been in a prayer meeting. They just left a prayer meeting. And Acts chapter 3, guess what they were doing? They were headed toward another prayer meeting. And on their way to that prayer meeting, something supernatural took place. As they were going to the place of prayer, they saw a man sitting there who had been sitting there all his life begging alms of the people. He was a crippled man. And as Peter and John walked by him, the Holy Spirit said, Now I'm about to do something. I'm going to show you something. And all of a sudden, Peter and John went over to this man, and he thought he was going to get some money from them because he was begging for money. And what did they say? Silver and gold, we don't have. But what we do have, we'll give it to you. Now, he didn't know what they had was worth more than all the money they could have gathered up that day. And they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they reached out, took his hand, lifted him up. His ankle bones were strengthened. The Bible says he went walking and leaping and praising God. And everybody knew who he was. They knew he was that crippled man. They'd been sitting at that gate all their lives. And they came running once again and said, Peter, what have you done? Look what you just did. He said, oh, Peter, it wasn't us. He said, I can tell you what happened. Jesus has just now been glorified. It's in his name, through his name, this man is made whole in front of you. And guess what happened? They got to proclaim the gospel again. And they preached and many other People believed. Now there were 5,000 that were part of what is now called the church. And they all came together and they stayed consistently every day reading the Word, listening to the Word, having meals together, sharing the love of Christ together. And then guess what happened? Oh, there was a manifestation. I forgot that one. Ooh, what happened? The enemy, he's pretty faithful. The devil didn't like what was going on. And so he sends forth a little persecution. He said, I'm going to put a stop to this. And if I can't stop it, I'll slow it down. And he throws in his little ingredient. Now, the devil's plan was to make this thing taste terrible, unedible, maybe even poison. I'm going to tell you something about persecution. It doesn't 
hurt the church. It really strengthens the church. We, like I've never seen it before, I've never seen it in the United States of America, the persecution, the threats that the church has been under in the past few months. It seems like it just came on all of a sudden. When COVID hit, it seems like the world just got twisted and they began to threaten the church. Shut your doors. This is the enemy coming through the back door. He couldn't close them because we preached Jesus, but he said, I'll close them because of this sickness I sent on this earth. And so the government says, for your own sake, for your health's sake, for the sake of your people, you got to shut the doors. And we lock the doors of the church. Some have not opened yet. And there was persecution and threats. You can't do this, just like they did to Peter and John. Peter and John stood up and said, I don't know what you're threatening us about. If, you, if it's because we healed a man or this man is made, oh, let me tell you why that happened. And guess what he did? They got to preach Jesus again, right to their persecutors. And their persecutors just happened to be religious persecutors. They were the Sadducees. You've heard this, but some people say there were Pharisees and Sadducees. And these were Sadducees because they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And Peter was preaching that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They hated it. They said, stop this. And Peter got up and preached Jesus to them. And they stood up and said, all right, here's what we're going to do. They threatened them some more. They put a little bit more threat in there. And then they said, okay, we're going to command you. Do not preach in this man's name ever again. Don't preach that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Peter says, okay, men, what do you think we should do? Should we obey you or should we obey God? We can only speak what we've seen and what we've heard. We can't help ourselves. When revival hits, let me just say, you may have a difficult time telling people about Jesus right now. But when you get engaged with the Holy Spirit, He comes upon you, starts living inside of you. The fire of God starts burning in you. Oh, you can only say, oh, I can't help myself. i got to tell somebody. And they said, I can't help it. I've seen something. I saw something. I felt something. I experienced something. i got to tell somebody about it. And it may happen at the grocery store, at the gas station. It may happen on your job. It may be the day that God said, this is the one I want to heal right now. Have you ever walked by somebody that was sick or was an invalid? or something? I've done it many times. And I go by saying, God, is this, is this the day? Are you going to heal this man right now? I want it to happen. I may stop and pray for him and just waiting on God to show up. Sometimes he does, but I haven't seen the miracles that I know I'm going to see one day. I'm like, there's an old-time revivalist. Uh... And he was called to the funeral home because a loved one had died. Brother Shambach was his name. Remember Brother Shambach? He was called to go to the funeral home because these folks that had lost their loved one said, I believe God's going to raise him from the dead. Would you come and pray, Brother Shambach? Brother Shambach said he went in that funeral home and he began to pray. And he prayed some more. He even picked the man up, put him up against the wall, commanded him to walk. Nothing happened. Finally, Brother Shambach just looked at the people and he said, Well, I don't think God's going to do it this time. Go ahead and bury him. You never know when God's going to do it, though. 
At least Brother Shadback had faith to stand up and, and command somebody to come back to life. He didn't come. Because you know what? I believe as believers, when you get to heaven, you don't want to come back here. Why would you want to come back to this mess? We're in your heaven with Jesus. Sometimes God allows people to come back. But for the most part, I'm sure they're saying, no, no, Jesus, don't send me back there. Though our loved ones miss us, and we miss those who have gone, Ooh, they're rejoicing in the presence of the Lord, just waiting for Him to return again. So that calls sometimes when we're persecuted, it calls for a little pushback. Let me just say, it's getting time now, and I'm seeing it, that we as the church, it's time we stand up to the things that the enemy's throwing our way. It's okay to push back. When even the government tells us to do things that's contrary to the Word of God. And we're seeing that. It's getting close to home now. We've heard about things going on in communist China. They're shutting down the churches, tearing down churches. Taking crosses off of churches. We've been hearing little tidbits of that in our own nation. And then in Canada, peace-loving Canada. Just recently, this week. They closed the church down. It's been closed. The pastor said, it's time to open the church back up. A year's too long. And he tried to open his church back. And they sent the authorities. They closed it down. And he said, I can't close it down. I have a command in the scriptures that says, do not forsake assembling together as a matter of some is. But we need to gather together so we encourage each other to stir up to love and good works. I have a higher command. I've got to open up. Well, they didn't like that. They came back the next week and this week and they put a fence around the church. The next week they came and they put, they brought 200 riot officers to keep people from going to the house of God. Ooh, Canada, that's hitting close to home here. You say it wouldn't happen here. Oh, it will. But it's time for we, the church, to rise up and say we're pushing back. Because what you're saying is contrary to what God has said to us. Do you think when God wrote that in the book of Hebrews, when he told the church to not forsake assembly together, do you believe there was persecution going on at that moment? Absolutely. But God says, I, I need you to meet together. He didn't say, I, I, okay, just for a time, just meet it by yourself. It's okay. No, he didn't say that. He said, I need you to get out of your walls of your house and get together with other believers. And they did it. They would meet in caves. I've been in one of those caves where they would meet. The first century church would meet. And they would gather and they would worship. But I saw escape routes in those caves. And this is where when the government would come to persecute and threaten them, they would have escape routes so they could run and, and hide. But they did not want to forsake assembling together because Jesus said, do it. We need to be doing it. That's why I like this gathering right here. It's time that we do a little pushback from the persecution that's coming upon the church. And then the disciples, they left that place after being threatened a little bit more. The leaders didn't know what to do. They said, you know, there's been a miracle. We know that. And if we do anything else to these men, we're going to be stoned. And so they just threatened them a little bit and said, now you can leave. And when they left, where'd they go? They went back, this time, to corporate prayer meeting. They gathered with the people of God. 
They went to the church and they began to pray again. And they said, Lord, look at their threats. Now, will you do something? Will you just pour out your spirit upon us once again? Give us boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal those that are sick. Work miracles in our midst. And it says the place where they were assembled. Sometimes when you have something, you got to do what? you got to shake it. And the place where they were assembled was shaken. The Spirit of God fell. And it says they were freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went and they spoke the Word of God with what? Boldness. There was a shaking. That's an ingredient. There was boldness. That's another ingredient. They spoke the Word of God with boldness. And it says there was great unity. The body of Christ came together. Oh, we need a revival of unity right now in the body of Christ. Nothing like when the body of Christ gets together. Great unity. That's another ingredient in this thing called revival. God brings us. You know, I love revival. I've been a part of a revival. Really have. Happened back in the 70s. Uh, That's a long time ago. I know it. It's in history books for some of you. But it was during what is called the Jesus movement. How many were part of the Jesus movement? Bunch of old people here. You were part of the Jesus movement. It's when the Spirit of God fell upon our nation from coast to coast. Hippies. You can explain to your children what a hippie is. Hippies, long hair, beard, nothing wrong with that. Long hair, beards. I had a beard back then. It was a different color, but I had a beard back then. Long hair, bell-bottom jeans. They're coming back in style. Sandals are no shoes at all. And these hippies were getting saved on the streets. Then they were showing up at the church. People said, you need to go to church. They were showing up at their church house. And then there were some religious people who met them at the front door. And says, no, you don't. You don't come in this house looking like that. You go get cleaned up, cut your hair, shave your beard, put your suit on, and come back next week. The hippies weren't going for that. They were peace, but, you know, we're not going for that. I'm so grateful that my dad had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when the hippies showed up at the front door, he told those men, you let them through that door right now. Hippies began to show up. (laughs) Fill the house of God. With these strange-looking creatures, and there were so many of them. People were sitting on windowsills, and there were so there were not enough chairs. So we said, "All the hippies, you come sit on the floor. You like to sit on the floor anyway." And they come and sit on the floor in the church, and they would worship God. They loved people. Nothing like a saved hippie. They just loved people. Peace. They didn't want any trouble. But they would come into the church and they were having revival. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that I got to be a part of that. But it happened in California where they were baptizing thousands of young people in the oceans in California. Went all the way to the Atlantic in New York. That was revival. And I believe God wants that to happen again. The church was unified. Things were going on. People were together. Man, they were loving each other. God sent, let me just, here's another great prosperity. God sent prosperity. You know why? It wasn't for individual prosperity. You've got to understand, people were living in Jerusalem, and they'd left their homes and came to Jerusalem. Revival broke out, and they didn't want to leave. They'd left their work. 
They didn't know what to do. They didn't have what. So people began to come. Good men and women had property. He sold it and said, here, Kate brought it to the apostle. Give that to those that are just struggling now. Prosperity hit the church. That's what revival will do. People are not tight with their money. When revival hits, people are saying, man, you need it. Here it is. Use it for God's glory. Use it for the people of God. Use it to reach the lost. Prosperity hit, and that's exactly what happened. And let me close with this. One last thing. If you read Acts chapter 5. Now, I don't care for Acts chapter 5 too much. But it's in the Bible. I have to believe it. There was a man named Ananias and Sapphira. You may remember them. This couple kind of got caught up in the revival wave. and They wanted to appear like they were honorable and righteous people to the apostles. They were going to make a name for themselves. So they went and sold a piece of property. And they, Ananias came to the apostles and to Peter and said, Well, we sold some property and here we're going to bring the proceeds to the church. There came a check. In Peter's spirit. He said ask him the question. Did you sell it for that amount of money? Or did you keep back some of the profits? And he asked Ananias. Did you sell it for that amount? Or was it for more? Oh he said oh it was for that amount. He said. Peter looked at him and said son. You just lied not to me. But you lied to the Holy Spirit. And what happened to him? He dropped dead. In the house of God. Several hours later, Sapphira, his wife, came. Peter looked at her and said, did you sell that land for this much money? She conspired with her husband. She goes, oh, yeah. That's how much we sold it for. She didn't know her husband was dead. But all of a sudden, what happened? He says, the same men that buried your husband is about to bury you. She dropped dead. Now, listen, I don't understand all of that. But I know something happens when revival hits it's called the fear of god it says people stood back in awe of what had just happened in the church house the fear of god came upon the church that's what happens when revival hits there's a lot so many it's all good because it's god but the fear of god the holiness of god comes upon the church and people are kind of afraid to join with the church but then a couple of verses later says, but others were added to the church daily, those that were being saved. Now it's not 3,000. Now it's not 5,000. Now it's called the multitude. That's revival. And we could go on and we could talk about other things that are in revival. Somebody said, said, do you forget there's lost people. That's an ingredient of revival. Lost people love to be in around revival. You know why? Because when lost people come and they're around you, it's the only time. They sense peace in their life. There's a lot of people that come to church and they're lost. They don't know Jesus. And they don't want to leave the church house. Why? Because they feel peace. When they leave and go back home, it's turmoil. It's depression. It's all kinds of trouble. But when they're at the house, that's why lost people show up at a revival. They come around long enough, they'll get born again. In the revival that we experienced in the 70s, we had people that were lost that showed up at church. I would invite people and they would come. And they didn't like what they saw. They would fold their arms and go, I don't like this. Some of them had been religious people. 
I don't like this. Because God was moving in a way that they'd never seen him move before. As a matter of fact, there were times I would invite somebody to come to church, and I would pray to God, God, please don't let something weird happen here today. Please. I'm inviting my friend, and, 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 and they don't like the weird. and I don't mind the weird, but please don't anything weird happen. And guess what would happen? Every time something weird would happen, the Holy Spirit would move, and something strange would happen. And I'd go, oh, well, that's it for them. No, you know what happened? They would leave church, but something the next Sunday morning would get a hold of their heart. You need to get back to that. They would come back, folded arms. They'd come back the next week, and finally, one day, you'd see them like this. Woo! They got in a hole. You may be the reason somebody in your family or your neighbor experiences revival. I've told you this story before, but let me tell it again, because I love it so much. Pastor friend of mine in the city where I pastored in Duncanville, pastor of the Church of Christ, now called Grace Place. A lady woke up on a Sunday morning. Now, this was not a Christian woman. She was lost, a biker. Her husband was a biker. Her teenage son was rebellious against them and everything else. She woke up and something inside says, go to church. So she started getting dressed. Her husband said, what are you doing? Well, I'm going to church today. He said, what? We don't go to church. Well, I'm going to church today. You need to get up and go with me. Well, he got up, started getting dressed. He said, now, where are you going to go to church? We don't go to church. We've never been to church. Where are you going to? She goes, "Mm, my neighbor invited me to church. Now, listen, 21 years ago. Our neighbor invited us to church. Let me go find out where she goes to church. She ran across, talked to that neighbor. She goes, well, I go down here to the Church of Christ, known as Grace Place. They went to church that Sunday, and what happened? They had a revival. And it, Listen to me. 21 years, that seed was in her, never left her. An invitation to come to Jesus. You never know. What God's going to do with a little seed that you sow. When you look at somebody and say, God loves you. Walk away and you think, well, uh, at least I said that. And that just begins to grow and grow and grow. They came. They got saved. A few months later, her husband was killed on a motorcycle. She called the pastor. Now, what's the pastor going to say to her now? She called the pastor crying. And she said this, Pastor What can me and my son do to let Jesus know how much we love him? We love him so much, and we just want him to know. What can we do at the church to let people know that we love Jesus? And matter of fact, she says, now this was her thinking. She goes, I think I know why God took my husband. Now that was her thinking that God took him, but it was the devil that took him. Let's say that. But in her mind, this was her thinking as a young believer. She goes, I think God took him before he changed his mind about serving Jesus. That was just her thinking. And now they're still in the church growing believers. What an awesome story. That's what happens. The seed of revivals that small. You never know how God's going to use it to bring revival to someone you know. Or maybe somebody you don't know. You just say, hey, would you go to church with me? And let that just stew in them a while. 
And let's just see what God will do. How many want that kind of thing happening in your life? Let's stand together. Lord, we stand as your people. Lord, as those that desire and hunger for revival, for a fresh move of the Spirit of God in our own heart, Lord, in our family, Lord, in our community, Lord, in our nation, we desperately need revival. Without it, we are doomed. But Lord, we believe that you are in heaven and that you long to send revival our way. So, Lord, we join together today. We're asking you, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Send revival. Could you just ask the Lord right now? Say, send revival, Lord. Send it in me. Send it in my family. Send it in my community. Send it, Lord, in our nation, Lord. Send it in this body of believers. Send it in my house, you that are at home, watching online. He can send revival to you just like he can here. He can send it in your home. You'll forever be changed by the power. I'm inviting you to come to church. Come to Turning Point Church. And let's just see what God will do in you.